It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Good morning, my friends. How are you today on this October 2nd? If you're listening live here on 92.7 on Jersey Shore, it's a dismal, dreary, rainy morning here, weekend here on the Jersey Shore as the remnants of Ian come flying through and it's nothing for us, obviously. It's just rain. Boy, but those poor people in in Florida. God, what a disaster. We'll talk about that maybe later on. I got to tell you, Paul, this is probably the most negative radio show I've done in 22 years. And I was, I, I was torn apart putting it together because it's so depressing. I mean, the state of affairs in this country and the world is uh, spiraling out of control. And we don't see them have any leadership uh, to deal with it. Financial markets are, are, are imploding. Uh, we've got so many negative things going on that if you just woke up and, and you're listening live to the program and it's 7 in the morning on a Sunday morning and you're feeling good about things, and turn the show off. Listen to it on the podcast later on. All right? This is not the way to start your day. And... Uh, I, I was anguished about this. Do I want to come on today and talk the truth, or do I want to talk about IRA accounts? Uh, do I want to talk about estate planning? And, and, and the answer is no. i got to talk about what's going on in the world because it's going to affect us all, not only financially, but every other way. And it's one thing after the other. Now, I want to talk probably about 10 crazy subjects today. Maybe more. And if just one of them were happening, we would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. But all of these things happening at the same time, uh, there's a plan here. And I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe I do. Um, but uh, I got to tell you, this is not an uplifting show. It's an informative show. You're going to get information here that, and an opinion here that you're not going to hear in mainstream news. And it is what it is. But we live in um, very perilous times right now. And it all started three years ago. It started with uh, COVID. Uh, the 2020 election, uh, and now it's one thing after the other. And there's a plan. And I don't really see how we get out of this. Let's start off talking about financial markets. The markets are in the slow motion crash right now. I mean, this inflation, the, the rising interest rates, I mean, and, and we haven't even had the crash yet. Yeah, we're down 25 to 30% in the stock. That's nothing yet. 
we are living right now in the most perilous time financially in every other way. But let's talk finances. Something incredible happened this week. Um, as the world is raising interest rates and, and trying to battle inflation, uh, some big news came out of the United Kingdom, whether it's, I think it was Thursday, where out of nowhere, the Bank of England came out and said that we are going to buy bonds in whatever amount it takes to stabilize the financial markets in, in the UK. So what was happening there? All right, the new prime minister, Truss, the one that tells England to get ready for thermonuclear war, um, she came out and she wanted to do this stimulus package, lowering taxes and everything else, and she was going to pay for it with, 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 with printing money and so forth. Well, the financial markets in, in the U.K. reacted very negatively to that in that their bond market was crashing. I mean, literally crashing. I mean, bond yields that were 1% six months ago were almost 7%. They, they, draw, they went up almost two points in one day as bonds were being sold off. Well, why is that so important? It's so important because the pension funds in the United Kingdom, and the United States too, we'll talk about that in a second, are highly leveraged in the bond market to try to get returns. You know, pension funds have been having a really hard time getting the returns that are necessary not to be insolvent and be able to provide the benefits for the people who are getting their pensions. So what they've done is they, they, they've bought bonds, but they've leveraged them. Leverage means borrowing money so, so, so say you put up $100,000, you know, you, you could put up $100,000, you could buy a million dollars worth of bonds. And if it goes your way, that's great, because if you just get 1% interest on those bonds, well, times it by 10, and you're going to get 10% on your 10% that you put up. But if it goes the other way, you get creamed. And that's what was happening to the pension system in the United Kingdom, in England. The bonds were crashing, and now they were getting margin calls. Because when you borrow money to buy securities, whatever they are, and they start going down, the broker's firm says, wait a second, we're at risk here. you got to put up more money, or you got to sell off these bonds. So that was forcing selling within the pension system, and it was a cascading event. There was no buyers. The bond market was crashing in the United Kingdom, and the Bank of England panicked. And they came out and said, we are going to buy bonds. We're going to start quantitative easing again. Where just last week, they raised interest rates. And they said, the hell with inflation. The whole system is collapsing. And they lost control. They lost control of their debt. They lost control of their currency. I mean, this is the fifth largest economy in the world. And when you see the 10-year British gilt, they call their bonds their gilts. In one week, they rose from 3.2% to 4.4%. And then it spiked even more, like I said, on Thursday. And the Bank of England announced it will start a new quantitative easing program to try to put a floor under its bond market. 
And, of course, the pound didn't like that. The British pound, which has been crashing, dropped to new lows. And as I've been saying, the crisis in 2008 was just a warm-up for what's happening now. I mean, we saw uh, banks going bust or close to going bust here in the United States uh, before the bailouts. Now we're seeing entire countries going bust. And they will. And no amount of money printing is going to save it. We also saw um, panic spreading in Asia. We saw a number of countries bailing out or, or going right to money printing to bail out their economy. South Korea um, said it's going to buy as much as $2.1 billion worth of their debt. Taiwan banned uh, currency, uh, contr- um, instituted currency controls. They banned a short selling on the stock market. China has instructed uh, some of their big funds to refrain from uh, large uh, stock sales. And you're seeing their currency crash. In Indonesia, Japan, India, they've also intervened to prop up their currencies. So what's going on here? The system is breaking. Things are breaking. And we're facing a financial crisis like the world has not seen before. I hate to say this. I mean, I really do. I hate to bring this to to your attention, but I'm telling you. The people I follow, the markets I watch, um, there's no doubt in my mind that the major, a major financial crash is happening. I mean, this move by the Bank of England is stunning. Now, initially... The markets reacted very positive to, positively to that. Uh, the U.S. stock market went up that day, a few hundred points. Why? Because they're saying, well, if Britain is going to abandon their interest rate hikes and their battle against inflation, well, maybe the Fed here is in the same situation, and they're going to do the same thing. And I don't think they're going to do the same thing, to be quite honest with you. They didn't come out. Powell, the Federal Reserve, did not come out and say anything about, hey, you know, uh, yeah, our bonds are going down, our interest rates are going up, uh, we're going to pause a little bit. No, they've doubled down. Some of the Fed governors came out and, and said that uh, we're going to keep interest rates high for a long time. The vice chairman of the Federal Reserve, Lael Brainard on Friday stressed the need to combat scorching hot inflation with higher interest rates and pledged the central bank will not prematurely pull back on tighter monetary policy. Monetary policy will need to be restrictive for some time to have confidence that inflation is moving back to target, she said. For these reasons, we are committed to avoiding pulling back prematurely. Now, that could be BS, too. Because as soon as the market crashes, they're going to come out. You're going to see the Fed come out and provide liquidity and everything else. They'll have to. And it's coming. I mean, the major financial crash is coming. It may even happen tomorrow. But within the next few months, I believe the um, everything is going to crash. It, 
and uh, the world is in a death spiral. All these, you think, don't think that 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 what's happening in Britain is going to be confined to Britain. Confined to Britain, it's not. Everything is interconnected. Now, um, another problem in the UK, not like here, twenty six percent of all mortgages uh, in the UK are variable rate, and they're set uh, to reprice very, very shortly. And they're going to reprice very much higher than they are now. And that's another reason why the bank... Some people are going to see their mortgages double. Seventy-four percent of mortgages are fixed, uh, mostly at one to two percent. But the way they set these mortgages up, after two years, they have to be refinanced. And so their whole mortgage market is going to go up. So they had to they had to intervene into the bond market to protect the pensions and protect the homeowners from major price rises. I mean, they really. Right now, they're facing a winter of, of, of utility bills like you, you wouldn't believe. And I believe uh, U.S. pension funds now are in the same position. They've leveraged bonds. And they're going to have their own Lehman moment. And uh, we're in a moment now of uh, really panic is starting to come into the markets. You know, the Federal Reserve is hell-bent to get interest rates over 4% by the, by the end of the year. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. The way things are unraveling worldwide, you got to understand, there's $100 trillion in derivatives. Derivatives hooked to interest rates. Any major move in interest rates makes these derivative bombs go off. Somebody's losing tons of money. I'm hearing rumors that some major financial institutions are in trouble. I'm hearing rumors that major banks are in trouble here in the United States. And long-term listeners to this program, no, I've been telling you, I would not have my life savings in any major Wall Street bank. And I'm not going to mention names. But I'm telling you, there's all kinds of information out there that some banks are limiting your ability to get money out of the bank. You go in there and you try to try to get three, four thousand dollars cash. You're telling you no. Some people are saying that their bank account has been frozen, that they can't get their money for sixty days. There's rumors going around that banks are going to start limiting ATM withdrawals. Now, can, can I back these up? No, I'm just telling you. I'm hearing rumblings that the financial system is unwinding. And again, forget 2008. That was nothing. That was a walk in the park. Um, what do you do? What do you do is don't have your life savings in a Wall Street bank. Bring it to a community bank. Bring it to a credit union. Bring it to a U.S. Treasury money market fund, which is best. And uh, a banker in London, before the Bank of uh, England uh, stepped in and did quantitative easing and buying all the bonds, 
This was a quote from him. He said, at some point this morning, I was worried this was the beginning of the end, said a senior London-based banker, adding that at one point on Wednesday morning, there were no buyers of long-dated UK bonds. It was not quite a Lehman moment, but it got close. And I don't think the United States is far off. It may even be this week. I mean, there's been all kinds of articles out there that U.S. pension funds can't meet their targets. And that's just with the market ripping higher for the last few years. They've taken on major leverage. And the people running these funds, you know, they're, they're, they're in a catch-22. You know, they need a certain amount of yield, so they have to leverage bonds to get it. Uh, by borrowing money and buying more and more. And now the bond market is dropping the most it has probably in history. And uh, one Wall Street analyst said, um, if we can't meet our obligations with pension funds when the market is screaming higher, what are we going to do now? I guarantee you that there are pension funds right now already in big, big, big trouble. And we just haven't seen the news yet. And that's the way this thing works. You don't hear anything, really, until it happens all at once. Right? You know, oh, the banks are fine, right? You know, until one morning you wake up and you find out that uh, XYZ Bank uh, is closed today. Or uh, they're limiting withdrawals. And that's the first thing that I, I, I get nervous about. When I hear that banks are limiting withdrawals, closing some accounts, freezing them for 60 days. Just realize that when you're in a bank, you have lent the bank money. You're a creditor. And I have with me for years in my my, my basket here of all the stuff we talk about a report by the FDIC and the Bank of England on how they would unwind big banks failing. And you know what? You're last in line. The depositors are last in line. They call you an unsecured creditor, and that's exactly what you are. And I got to tell you, I, I don't think I've ever been this nervous. I don't think I've ever had a feeling of foreboding that I have right now, and it's driving me mad this weekend. It's depressing me. So what do you do? I, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm just telling you what I do. I will not have my money in the financial system right now, not in the banks. Get it into a U.S. Treasury money market fund. Get it in a community bank or a credit union this week uh at one point uh before the bank of england moved now you gotta understand uh, the bond yields were rising here in the united states around the world the bank of england made this move and uh u.s treasuries the 10-year u.s treasury overnight and i forgot if it's wednesday or thursday um hit four percent first time you know in many 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 years after the Bank of England announcement, the bond market rallied and yields dropped to 3.70. I mean, that's a 30 basis point move. You don't see that in the bond market. As the bond market said, well, if the Bank of England's going to do it, well, 
what's different here? And uh, this week, 30-year U.S. mortgages for at least at one point on Thursday hit 7%. The first time since 2000. This is the fastest surge in interest rates in history. And the housing market can't handle it. We're seeing the, the sharpest downturn in the housing market, at least since the 2008 crash. Uh, typical home right now is selling below asking price. You remember, it wasn't long ago, six months ago in April. I know somebody who paid 60000 over asking price just six months ago. And, and, and mortgages at that point were 4%. And we were talking about how high that was compared to just a year ago, and it was like under 3 And now we're talking about 7 Well, uh, the 30-year mortgage at the end of the week uh, averaged 683 That's a ginormous increase in a very short amount of time. I mean, it's just uh, the percent of income now that it takes to to own a home uh, is incredible. According to the Atlanta Federal Reserve, as of a few weeks ago anyway, the median American household would need to spend 44.5% of their income to afford payments on a median-priced home in the United States, the highest percentage on record. Well, that was three weeks ago. As of today, the number is 50%. That's right. More than half of the average U.S. household's income goes to paying house payments. Can you imagine that? That's double what it was just two years ago. Um... And and this is going to end in tears. But the Fed still thinks somehow they could avoid a hard landing and they're going to continue to raise rates through the end of the year. I don't think they're going to be able to. And if they do, things are going to get much worse. And if you look at the markets, even after this big downturn, we're still higher than we were prior to covid The the markets are still, the indexes are still higher than they were in January of 2020. And at that time, not only me, but everybody was talking about the overvaluation, how the markets were so overvalued. Um, So don't think that we've had this decline in the market that we're close to a bottom. We ain't nowhere near a bottom. Uh, at the at the close on Friday, the S and P five hundred price to earnings ratio is still almost double what it has been on a median basis of all bear markets dating back seventy years. So it's got to fall fifty percent just to get to where historical bear markets are, and the earnings are cratering in companies. Just realize price to earnings ratio: earnings go down, the price has to go down. Or the price of earnings goes up. I mean, we're already overvalued by 50% on price-to-earnings ratio. If the earnings are dropping, and they are, what company is going to make better earnings besides Pfizer and Moderna uh, uh, in this environment? Companies are coming out and warning. We had FedEx warn. Uh, this week, CarMax, which sells used cars, uh, had an awful earnings report. 
and an awful forecast going forward. Nobody's buying anything that they don't need or absolutely need right now. They're trying to put food on the table. And that's getting more and more difficult every day. Listen to what we have going on here. I I mean, like I said, it's so negative. It's just I can't find any uh, silver lining in anything that's going on in this country, this world, geopolitically, financially. We got pandemics. We got political instability. We have no leadership in this country. The head of the free world doesn't even know what day it is. We have no leadership to try to pull us out of here or just do something competent. We're being brought down the road to World War III, thermonuclear destruction. I mean, this is craziness that we're living in. And nobody, there's no sane person out there that's coming out. Uh, Where are the people coming out saying, uh, let's have some uh, negotiations for peace in Ukraine? I don't hear anything like that. Just the opposite. We had the, the Nord Stream pipelines blown up this week. You know what that means? I mean, we got craziness going on in the world. Yeah, World War III is going to be good for financial markets. Really good. Friday was the end of the third quarter of the year. Let's take a look at what the markets have done. And it's ugly. Dow Jones Industrial Average last week was down just under 3% uh, for the month of September. This was one of the worst Septembers ever in the stock market. Now, let me give you a little bit of history. Uh, September is historically the worst month for the market in returns. Well, this September was the worst September in the history of the market. And you know what usually happens? The crashes happen in October. The markets start going down in September, and the real crash happens in October. How many crashes have we seen in October? 1929, 1987. There's other ones, too. I don't remember all the dates. But October is known as crash month. Now, not every October is there a crash, especially when economies are doing good and things are stable. That's anything but what's happening now. Everything's unstable. And I expect, I expect an absolute market crash any day. For the quarter, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down almost 7% and year-to-date down 21%. S&P 500 was down a little under 3% for the week. Uh, down 9.34% for the month. Think about that. The stock market, the S&P 500, the gauge of all of the U.S. biggest companies, dropped 9.34% in one month. You know how much money is lost? Down almost 25% for the year. NASDAQ is the worst index, down 2.7% for the week, down 10.5% for the month of September, and down 32.4% for the year. How's those 401k statements looking lately? I was talking to um, my insurance agent, 
and uh, renewing my car insurance, getting an umbrella policy, doing something. And he asked me, Lou, what do you do for a living? And I told him I'm a certified financial planner and uh, I own my own investment firm and blah, blah, blah. So we started talking about the economy and the markets. Oh, my God, things are really bad, Lou. What are you thinking? And I said, well, I mean, most people I'm seeing are just way overexposed to risk in the stock market. I got people retiring coming to me with 85% of their money in the market getting devastated. And by the way, these indexes are doing a lot better than most people's portfolios because most mutual funds don't have the winners in it. They have the stocks. Some stocks are down 50, 60, 70%, especially the smaller stocks. So I asked him, I said, how's your 401k doing? He says, you know what? I don't know, Lou. I'm afraid to open my statements. I haven't looked at it in the last three months. And a lot of people are doing that. Not that it that is smart, not to know what's going on in your portfolio. But everybody out there now is a deer in the headlights. They don't know what to do. They are not taking evasive action. They're not adjusting their portfolio. They're not opening their statements. And many people just prior to retirement. It's not too late. Hey, you lose 20, 25%. All right, let's cut it off. Instead of losing 70 or 80%. I, I subscribe to a newsletter of a guy who has been writing this newsletter for almost 50 years. He's an old guy. He's been around the block. He's been very, very good. Bullish and bearish. This guy is great. And it's called the Wellington Letter, if you want to know specifically. I read the Wellington Letter this week, and I was sweating by the time I got done with it. It's very extensive, very technical. But he thinks that from top to bottom, we're looking at 85% decline in the market. And he says, do not buy the dips. You'd be crazy to buy the dips as we're heading into a depression. And I believe we are heading into a depression. Worse than the 1930s. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I don't like coming on here saying this stuff because we're all going to feel the pain of it. But uh, very depressing. 10-year Treasury bond in the United States uh, closed at 3.82, the highest weekly close in about 15 years. Again, was at 4% before the Bank of England came out. Gold, which you would think would be flying here in this thing, is kind of stuck in the mud, 1661 an ounce. Silver caught a little bit of a bid this week, was up uh, to 1903, still the most undervalued asset on the planet. Uh, We're going to see, when the panic hits, people running to the safety of silver and gold, especially as uh, the Western world resumes their quantitative easing, money printing. They always do. They have to. There's no other alternative. Look what's happened to the U.S. economy, the world economy, currencies, uh, as the Fed has just raised rates from zero to 3%. Look what's happening. Normally, interest rates are 5%. And to battle inflation, you have to raise interest rates high enough to equal the inflation rate. And if you believe the government, that's 8.4%. What do you think would happen if the Fed raised interest rates from 3 to 8.4% and mortgage rates went to 10 What would happen to the bond market? What happened to the pension system? What would happen to the derivative market? What would happen to the banks? 
And another big problem is the strength of the U.S. dollar versus other currencies. You know, people in Europe are saying, look, let me flock to the dollar. That's safer than the euro. In Britain, they're saying they're destroying the pound. Let me, let me buy dollar assets. So we've seen money flowing into the U.S. currency, which makes our purchasing power very good. I just came back from Italy, and it was parity. I mean, you know, a dollar is equal to a pound, basically. Last time I was in Italy, it was like a dollar forty to buy a pound, uh, to buy a euro. I'm sorry. Uh, so these, these currencies are crashing against the dollar. And that's really bad. Why is it really bad? Because we're exporting inflation. You know how many third world countries, emerging markets, Brazil, you know, all these other countries, India, have borrowed in U.S. dollars. They borrowed debt in U.S. dollars. As the dollar gets stronger, servicing that debt becomes more burdensome. And you're going to see defaults in these countries. And it's all going to cascade. They're all dominoes. And it's going to hit us here. Also, we're not competitive in our exports anymore. Our exports are much more expensive than they were just a few months ago. Which affects our trade deficit and everything else. So things, my friends, are are very, very, very bad. And getting worse. Here's an article. Uh, Home prices cool down at the fastest pace in history of the index. U.S. home prices decelerated at a record pace in July. Uh, uh, They're still up year over year, but, you know, they're starting to decline. Existing U.S. home sales had fallen by 5.9% in July. In August, U.S. existing home sales slowed down for the seventh consecutive month. As the Federal Reserve continues to move interest rates upward, mortgage financing has become more expensive. Of course it does. The Wall Street Journal did an analysis, and they said that a person who bought a home with a 20% down payment and a 2.88% interest would only pay around 200000 in total interest over the 30-year mortgage period. But with the same rate at just 6.29, now I said it closed on Friday at 6.8 something, uh, the total interest paid would be, uh, equate to 490000 versus 200000 Wow. You know what that means? The monthly mortgage payment jumps that much. <coughs> it's amazing how quickly housing went from being, um, you couldn't get a house without paying over um, a significant amount of money over asking price, and now people are cutting their prices. Anyway, I'm so depressed, I want to throw up. I need to take a break, <laughs> at least for... <laughs> You know, maybe if you're still listening, uh, uh, after the show, I suggest that you 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 put on the TV and you watch your favorite movie. Maybe you watch an NFL game today and take your mind off of what's really going on. Keep the news off. Don't listen to the rest of this program again. Um, uh, but things are very, very serious, and we can't put our head in the sand. All right, my name's Lou Skatigna. The phone number here is 732-237-9626. My, uh, again, uh, my name is Lou Skatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. 
Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Brick Township has plenty to offer this fall. The craft fair at Windward Beach has been rescheduled for Saturday, October 8th from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. There will be over 70 crafters and vendors. Fall Fest will take place on Saturday, October 15th from 1 to 7 p.m. There will be food trucks, carnival games, cornhole, axe throwing, and the night will be topped off with fireworks. Rain date will be Sunday, October 16th. Also, the Brick Recreation Golf Tournament will be at Eagle Ridge Golf Course on Monday, October 17th. For more info, go to bricktownship.net. That's bricktownship.net. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments, and host of The Financial Position. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss Discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company member FINRA and SIPC. Registered advisory services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, Luz Katigna here, certified financial planner. You're a money doctor each and every Sunday where we bring you the financial news, the political news, and basically anything that affects your financial life. Thanks so much for joining us. The call number 237-9626-732-237-9626. And, uh... If you're just tuning in, I opened the show talking about the dire situation that this world is in financially, geopolitically. Uh, I, I can't recall in my 62 years on this earth uh, things being so perilous. Uh, and it's just starting, unfortunately. I mean, I, I shudder to think what the days and months ahead look like. We got a thermonuclear war in this scenario. Uh, we got financial collapse hyperinflation, political instability. Uh, we got it all. I'm just waiting for them to NASA to announce an asteroid is on the way. Maybe that would be a good thing. <laughs> Take us out of our misery. 
I don't know. And we were talking about the stock market and what's going on there. So if you miss any of the program, or you, you don't get up. It's too early to listen to this. If I got up at 7 in the morning, I wouldn't want to listen to this. I wouldn't listen to this. I'd put on some music, put on uh, the mesh or something you enjoy watching or a comedy show and just be oblivious to it. But people like myself who are news junkies and many of you are that way too. I know by the emails I get from all of you, you you listen to this program because you're a news junkie. You want to hear things that you're not going to hear on mainstream news. But if you do miss the show or miss part of it or you get up, you're just tuning in now. And you, we always have the show available at the financial physician, thefinancialphysician.com. That's my website. Just on the top, you'll see it says radio show. Click on it and it says the most recent show. And Paul has it up. 10 minutes after the show's over. The whole show, two hours. So if you miss anything, I mean, I'm telling you, in the coming days ahead, weeks ahead on this program, we're going to be talking about things that I can't even fathom right now. We got midterm elections a month away. We'll see what that's like. I don't think either side is going to accept the results. Democrats are going to say, well, how can we lose? We cheated so hard. I mean, we printed so many ballots. How can we still lose? And if the Republicans lose, they're going to say, this is impossible. It's a midterm election, and the country's in the worst shape as ever. The the president has the worst approval rating of any president. In the midterms, the existing power party always loses seats. And the Democrats only have a seven-seat lead. If the, if, if the Republicans don't win the House, uh, some shenanigans have happened. At a rate that we've never seen. So you're going to have, look, this is what's going to happen like they always do now. You're going to have a lot of tight races in the Senate and the House. It's going to take a week or two for them to to figure out who won. It's always going to be the Democrat because it always winds up that way as they find more and more votes. And and, and judges extend voting and accept ballots that don't even have a signature on it. You know how this works. And we're going to have a week or two where we don't know who runs the Senate. I think the House, the Republicans are going to win because all they need is seven seats. They'll probably pick up 40 to 50. That's what's estimated, assuming there's somewhat fair election. Uh, uh, so you're going to have that craziness. We have October, which is when crashes happen. We've got markets breaking down seriously. Virtually every market, bond market, the stock market, the housing market. Currencies around the world are crashing. We're on the verge of World War III. That'll go in the mix. But have a happy holiday season. Do we have something to look forward to? A little Santa Claus, maybe? Uh, We need a little Christmas. Isn't there a song? We need a little Christmas. But, uh... Oh, God. So in January, um, Joe Biden was uh, taking credit for the stock market. Stock market was up, and he he quoted he said this quote: "It has hit record after record after record on my watch, while making things more equitable." There's that word equitable. We're going to talk about equitable later on in the program. That's the buzzword now on the left: equitable for working class people. 
The stock market, the last guy's measure of everything, is about 20% higher than it was when my predecessor was there. Biden boasted. Well, you fast forward nine months later, the U.S. economy is in recession, the markets are crashing, inflation's out of control, and the stock market has taken a brutal beating and is continuing. The stock market is down over $8 trillion in the last nine months. $8 trillion, and that's your 401k, that's your IRA, that's your pension that may go bust any day. You know, uh, Barack Obama said once that don't underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. Remember that quote? But it's not Joe Biden effing things up because Joe Biden doesn't run anything. I mean, every day, it's just one thing after the other. The guy is totally lost. And everybody knows it. Who's running the country? I want to know. I want to know. I mean, it's gaff after gaff after gaff. He was walking around, and he was talking on the stage, and then he turned, and he just walked in aimlessly. He, he's totally gone. So who's making all these decisions? It's not the vice president. And that's the thing that's so insidious here. We know Joe Biden isn't running the country. He just gives it a piece of paper or a teleprompter. He reads it, and then he goes back to sleep. So who's who's calling the shots? Somebody who's unelected. Well, that includes Biden, too. I don't know. Oh, do you see, see this week? He's doing a speech on the White House on hunger or something. And, you know, he's thanking people that are there. And, you know, he's asking where this person is that's a congressperson that helped do this. And she died in a car crash last month. Last month. As a matter of fact, he sent a letter of condolences to the family. And you didn't see this if you listen to mainstream news because they'll never show this. But this is what he had to say about Jackie. And so many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this. Where's Jackie? Talking to ghosts now. Now, this isn't funny anymore. I mean, this is serious stuff. Especially now, at this moment in time, we're on the verge of, of World War III, and the head of the free world is this guy? Craziness. All right, so we're seeing uh, food prices skyrocket, um, and uh, virtually everything just c- continues to go up. Uh this Thanksgiving, supplies of turkey, eggs, butter are going to be extremely tight here in the United States. We're starting to see it now. Bird flu now is coming back again. It was supposed to uh, uh, 
uh, ebb in the summertime. It really didn't. And now we're getting into colder weather. Uh, and this has to do with migrating birds from Canada. They crap. The crap comes down and it goes into uh, chicken coops. And if one gets sick, they have to kill the entire flock because they don't want it to spread. So we have tens and tens of millions of turkeys and chickens being killed due to this bird flu. I mean, it's one thing after the other. Where's this stuff coming from? Monkeypox, coronavirus, bird flu, drought. I mean, it's like it's, it's some kind of plan to kill us all and starve us to death. And with these soaring prices, I mean, Thanksgiving dinner this year is going to cost a record amount of money, and it's going to put a lot of family in financial stress just to do Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, we got turkey prices skyrocketing if you can get them. Butter, eggs. Egg prices have tripled this year. Turkey meat is up 60%. Butter, supplies of butter are steadily getting tighter as well. Lower milk production on U.S. dairy farms and labor shortages for processing plants have weighed on butter output for months, leaving the amount of butter in the United States cold storage facilities at the end of July the lowest since 2017, according to the Agriculture Department. Tight supplies have sent butter prices soaring at U.S. supermarkets, surpassing most other foods in the past year. Reportedly, U.S. grocery prices uh, are up 13.5% over the last 12 months, the largest annual increase since 1979. I think it's more than that. Again, they understate everything. Uh, and butter uh, was up 25% over the last year. I love butter. I don't care what it costs. I'll buy it. Nothing's better than slabbing a big chunk of butter on some toaster or bagel or something. And we'll all buy butter no matter how high it goes. Uh, we'll just deal with the pain. But we're having serious, you know, there's really going to be serious food shortages in the world. It started already. The head of the U.N. World Food Program, David Beasley, is actually using the word hell to describe what is potentially coming in 2023. He says, it's a perfect storm on top of a perfect storm. UN World Food Program, David Beasley. Right now, with droughts, we're facing a food pricing problem in 2022. This created havoc around the world. If we don't get on top of this quickly, and I don't mean next year, I mean this year, you will have a food availability problem in 2023, and it's going to be hell. Right now, people are literally dropping dead of starvation in Africa and other places of the world right now. And next year is going to be worse. Think about the things we're talking about today. Famine. Pandemic. World war. Thermonuclear war. Financial crashes. Girls becoming boys. Boys becoming girls. I mean... (laughs) We're living in the craziest times ever. Ever. 
Uh, a little good news. I don't know if it's good news. Uh, but for senior citizens on Social Security, uh, we're expecting uh, a record increase, or at least uh, the biggest increase we've seen in probably 40 years in Social Security, which would just make the Social Security system more stable. Uh, uh, but I did a calculation. Citizens on Social for sure what the increase is going to be, uh, a record in weeks from now, uh, when the government will come out. I think it's October 15th. Somewhere in that week, uh, whether it'll announce what the increase is going to be for 2023, but we could pretty much figure it out based on we have we have every CPI except for one month, which is September, which will come out next week. Uh, so uh, we got a pretty good idea. I got a range here. Uh, I would say it's going to be anywhere between 8.6 and 8.9 percent increase in your Social Security payment. What you would think is good, but if inflation is really rising at 17% and you get an 8% increase, I mean, you're still falling behind the eight ball, right? Um, and the problem is, is that the CPI that they use for Social Security is called the Consumer Price Index for Urban Wage and Clerical Workers, which is not the same inflation that senior citizens experience. Senior citizens buy other things like health care. So their inflation, you know, your inflation is, is higher. So just because you're getting an 8.8% increase in 2023 uh, is good, I guess. Better than not getting it. But it's going to be offset by inflation. So after this increase, the average retired worker benefit is going to rise to $1,679. That's an extra $146 per month. Now, we've got to see how much that's going to be offset by an increase in Medicare Part B premiums. Um, I think they're going to go up, so it's not all going to go in your pocket. This is going to be the, the largest increase in 41 years. But we have the largest inflation in 41 years. So we'll report the exact number, uh, you know, when we get it. All right. Um, last week I brought to your attention uh, the anchor tax rebate program here in New Jersey, and there's a lot of confusion about it. Uh, what the anchor plan does is it gives virtually everybody who owns a home that's in a certain income range or rents a home or apartment a one-time check that you'll get in the spring. And if your income as a family or an individual is 150000 or less and you own a home, you're going to get $1,500. It's a lot of money. If your income is between one hundred and fifty and 250000 you're going to get $1,000. And now over two fifty, you get Zippo. I guess you don't need it. The tenant is going to get four hundred and fifty dollars, same income rate. So people are getting these applications in the mail. They're square. They're either white or the purple. The purple one is for for renters. The the green one is for homeowners. Now, it's very confusing for people because some people have to file a paper application. Other people, most people will go online to do it. So it's very important that you go to their website and you find out what you got to do to file. Do you file online? Do you file 
uh, a paper one. And people ask me, how do I get a paper ballot? Well, you take the, the ID number that they give you and the PIN number, go there, and then ask for a paper ballot. You can mail that in or you can upload it to their system if you know how to use a computer. So it is very confusing. I've, been, I've had some clients come into my office. And I've done it for them. I know how to do it. And uh, I just last night, I put on my website, thefinancialphysician.com, a tutorial video that shows you exactly what the rules are and how to file. I actually file one or go all the way up to the point of where I, I would file it, submit it, and show you how to fill it out, how to get to the right page on the website, how to enter the information that you need to do. And I show you the computer screen. I show you exactly where to click, what to do, and everything else. You'll learn how to do it. Like I said, I figured that instead of explaining it to people, just go to the website. If you go to thefinancialphysician.com at the top, you'll see I have a tab there called Anchor. Just click on that, and you'll have the video of how to file and what the rules are. And I think it would be very, very helpful for you. And I got people calling me or sending me emails. What is this? I don't even know what it is. Is this the homestead rebate? No, it's something totally different. Now, where's this money coming from? I don't know. Our state is not in the most re- robust health. Uh, so uh, where, where, where did this money come from? I don't know. But the bottom line, it's available. And it's, it's a big deal. But you got to know how to file it. You got to file it correctly. And many people, seniors that don't have computers, don't know how to use a computer, are very, very unsure of this. And if you're one of my clients, I'll feel free to come into the office. I'll do it for you um, uh, on my own computer. Uh, I'm helping all our clients do this. They, they can't figure it out. But I highly recommend that you go to thefinancialphysician.com, click on the tab up top that says Anchor, and uh, watch the video. It'll tell you, it'll probably get you to the point of where you can do this yourself. Now, as again, do you have to do a paper? Go to the frequently asked questions part of the website. It's really good. And it asks questions. It says, uh, uh, I rented an apartment with friends. How do I file? I live in government-assisted housing. Do I qualify? I was a resident at a senior housing facility. Am I eligible? I owned a home in uh, New Jersey on October 1st, 2019, but I sold it. Now rent the home. Which application should I file? Well, it's all based on your status in 2019. So if you sold a house, but you owned it October 1st, 2019, uh, I don't care if you sold it you know, a month later or a year later, you're still eligible for that refund. Even if you moved out of state. How many people sell their house? They moved to Florida or whatever. Well, that wasn't such a great move for some people. Uh, but uh, uh, you, you qualify for this. So you have to know, do I qualify, and what do I have to do? I can't believe the number of phone calls and emails we've been getting at my office from people. What is this? What do I do? The Anchor Program. Big deal here in New Jersey. Go to the website, thefinancialphysician.com, click on Anchor, watch the video, and I think you will understand what you need to do 
to get this valuable $1,500 uh, refund if you're a homeowner or it's 450 if you're a renter. All right, top of the hour, 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name is Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Sure. Money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, welcome to Hour 2 of The Financial Physician, where we talk money, markets, politics, and anything that affects your life. Uh, this is a very dire, dour broadcast today, um, and, and I, I feel... Terrible bringing it to you on a Sunday morning. In the first hour, if you missed it, you got to listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. We were talking about um, the financial situation in the world. Uh, Markets are uh, in crisis. Uh, We're really at the doorstep of a financial crisis that's going to make 2008 and maybe 1929 in the 30s depression look like a walk through Central Park. Uh, so you, if you missed it, listen to the podcast for your own financial health. If you got money in the market or you got money in banks, it's amazing how much rumors I, I I'm seeing uh, uh, out there about bank problems and potential bank failures. Very scary, and it can come out of out of the blue. You get up one morning, it could be tomorrow morning. And you find out that the system is imploding. You got to take actions right now, my friends. You have to. And if I protect one person on the show that does something to protect themselves, move some money into a credit union out of a, a Wall Street bank, good. Now, in this hour, we're going to talk geopolitics, domestic politics, and uh, and, and and the other insane things that are happening in our country. The world has gone insane. You know that, right? Uh, I mean, we have leaders in this country that, I mean, it's insanity. People are doing things now and, and saying things now that rational people just 10 years ago would never have said. And we're going to illustrate that on the second hour here. And now, I mean, what happened this past week with the Ukrainian war uh, is an inflection point. It is it is an inflection point, and many many people now uh, fear nuclear war uh, is a very real possibility. So what's happened? And uh, Russia's mobilizing three hundred thousand additional troops to bring into Ukraine. 
they annexed this week four regions of Ukraine, representing about 15% of the, the landmass in eastern Ukraine. Now, supposedly there was a vote this week or last week, and um, they overwhelmingly voted to be part of Russia. Now, you gotta you got to put this into historical context, and that's the problem with most people. They don't do any research. They listen to what CNN tells them or Fox, or MSNBC, or CBS, or NBC. Just realize, people, you have to realize that the mainstream media is only propaganda. It is not news. News disappeared years ago. The American broadcast, and probably the world major broadcast systems, are nothing but globalist propaganda. They lie to you, they make things up, they omit things. Don't get your information solely from TV or newspapers. Do your own research. Do your own reading. There's enough alternative places to go on the internet that is still available anyway uh, that you could learn something. Now, let's put things into historical perspective. Is that the eastern part of Ukraine is Russian. It was once part of Russia. They speak Russian. Khrushchev, Brezhnev were born there. And many citizens of Russia, uh, they're dismayed of this war because Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union and many people that live in Ukraine are cousins and aunts and uncles and brothers of people living in Moscow. That's why there's so many protests on this war because, wait a second, we're killing ourselves. It's like a civil war. So what's been happening in, uh, you got to realize, when Soviet Union disbanded, there was a lot of nuclear weapons in Ukraine. And there was an agreement in 1991 that those nuclear weapons will be removed from Ukraine. Ukraine would not have nuclear weapons. Ukraine would remain neutral. And Ukraine would not be part of NATO. Well, since we overthrew the democratically elected government in Ukraine a few years back to Obama's watch, uh, we've had the government in there uh, uh, doing the opposite of the agreements and treaties that were signed at that time. You have the Nazi Azov battalion that have been um, committing genocide on the Russian people in eastern Ukraine. You have them bringing in, uh, wanting to join NATO. And uh, the Russians... I think had no choice uh, but to do something about it. I mean, they were pushed against the wall. How would you feel? How would we feel? If Russia um, is annexing, uh, not annexing, but uh, uh, making Canada and Mexico part of their alliance and start moving troops and, 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 and missiles and everything in, would we do nothing? Of course we would. And that's the situation you're on. And I'm no apologist for Putin or the Russians. You know, I get emails from people when I say this. Oh, you, 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 you know, why are you doing this? You're supposed to be American. No, I'm just talking about reality. Believe me, I don't like Russia. But I'm just trying to put it into perspective how we got here. So this week, uh, they're, they're bringing up troops. 
they annexed uh, four regions. And Putin came out and said, look, I'm ready to negotiate peace now. And that was his whole goal, I think, from the beginning, is to take these, these sections of, uh, of Ukraine, which is Russian-speaking, uh, and uh, were part of Russia in the past, bring them back in, have a little buffer there between the West and Russia proper. Uh, and he succeeded at it uh, to some extent uh, and now uh, wants to sue for peace. But the West will have none of that. There's no diplomacy and we seem hell-bent to bring it on World War III. Just what the world needs. So uh, shortly after this, Ukraine applied for accelerated NATO membership. Now, if they're brought in as a member of NATO, we are in World War III. I mean, we are now in, in a proxy war, but you know, there's something called Article Five. In a NATO treaty that, you know, attack on one is attack on all. So if we bring Ukraine into NATO, we're at war with Russia. World War III is officially started. Now, Russia came out, Putin came out in a speech this week and after annexing these four regions and said that, hey, this is part of Russia and we will use everything at our disposal to defend Russia, meaning nuclear weapons. So we were at the brink of nuclear war. Now, uh, NATO uh, rejected, I think, uh, from what I heard, that uh, NATO has rejected accelerated uh, uh, NATO membership for Ukraine. Thankfully, somebody has a head on their shoulders. But Zelensky uh, ruled out peace talks with Putin. So Putin called for peace talks with Kiev. After he announced the annexation of four regions on Friday, speaking to hundreds of Russia's top politicians in the Kremlin's lavish St. George's Hall, Putin said voters in the referendum made an unequivocal choice to join the Russian Federation. We suggest returning to the talks, but we're not going to discuss the choice that people have made. Russia is not going to betray it. Putin warned Russia would defend the newly annexed territories with, quote-unquote, all means at its disposal. And these uh, territories now are Russian forever. Well, shortly thereafter, we heard news that Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipeline were bombed. You want to talk about one step closer to nuclear war. And to bomb these pipelines underwater uh, took the equivalent of 500 tons of TNT. This had to happen from a country or this couldn't happen any other way. But this certainly raises the stakes. Now the question is who did it? Well, the West is blaming Russia. Why would Russia bomb their own pipeline that they spent billions of dollars to make that brings in billions of dollars? It's their leverage over Europe. Eventually, they didn't get Europe to go to the table and they'll turn on the gas again. Now they can't do that. There's no way in my mind that Russia bombed their own pipeline. That's like, especially when they had the opportunity to just turn the switch off, which is working very effectively. 
makes no sense. It's like Federal Express, but bombing their own planes. It, it's, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, But nobody's taking credit for it. Nobody knows who exactly did it. And if Russians did do it, it would be the stupidest geopolitical move I've ever seen. But who benefits by it, right? You always got to look at who benefits by this. I'm thinking it through. Well, whoever benefits by it is somebody who doesn't want peace. Who wants world war. Like I said, there's no diplomacy going on right now, at least not, not, not in the front channels. Maybe in the back channels there is. But uh, after, uh, after this uh, annexation, uh, the White House put out a statement, and they said that the United States will never recognize Ukrainian territory as anything other than a part of Ukraine. Russia's referenda are a sham. Kind of like our elections. A false pretext to try to annex parts of Ukraine by force in a flagrant violation of international law, including the United Nations Charter. We will work with our allies and partners to impose additional swift and severe economic costs on Russia. The United States stands with our partners around the world and with every nation that respects the core tenets of the UN Charter in rejecting whatever fabricated outcomes Russia will announce. We will continue to support the Ukrainian people and provide them with security assistance to help them defend themselves as they courageously resist Russia's invasion. And they they trotted out. They woke up Biden, trotted him out, and he basically inflamed everything. He said, if Russia invades, then they'll... Well, that's something something different. Um, So uh, who did this? And what's the purpose of it? Who benefits? Well, maybe whoever wants the destruction of mankind and billions of people to die. I don't know. Now, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, uh, in a Senate hearing, had a State Department official there, and he was asking about it. That sabotage was carried out either by the United States, by Russia, or by by some third party. Uh, I assume you're not going to tell this administration, if it was the Biden administration, that that, uh, blew up those pipelines. I think even the question poses a premise that is impossible to answer in an effective way. All right, so it's uh, impossible to answer. Um, uh, Of course, they're not going to say. But uh, prior to the invasion of Ukraine, um, Biden uh, said this. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the the border of Ukraine uh, again, then... uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. But, the, but how will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will. Uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. All right. So that's Biden uh, before the invasion. Uh, and uh, Under Secretary of State Victoria Newland, who's the biggest war hawk 
in this administration. Uh, she said something similar. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, here we go. Um, with regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies, and I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. All right, so they have two administration officials, the, the president and the undersecretary of state, basically saying they'd put an end to Nord Stream 2. I'm not saying they did it. I'm just giving you information. Um. But I tell you, um, Russia didn't blow up their own pipeline. Makes no sense. Um, And we may never know who did it. I mean, you know how these things work. But now by blowing this up, think about it. We've attacked an infrastructure owned by a foreign country in international waters. And what does that mean? Now, undersea assets of any country are fair game, whether it be internet cables or anything else. This is an act of war. Don't you understand? And I want to know, why are we so involved with Ukraine? I don't care about Ukraine. I don't care about it at all. Most people don't even know where it is on a map. It's the most corrupt country in Europe, well-known to be most corrupt. Just look at Hunter Biden and his, uh, his bag man for the Biden family there. Oh, by the way, this week we had a stop-gap funding bill, $12.3 billion more for Ukraine. Billion. This country is going broke. We don't have any money. Veterans are living on the street. And we've sent almost $70 billion that we know about to Ukraine. God knows where that money went. How much of that money do you think went into somebody's pocket? Oligarchs' pockets and uh, Zelensky's pocket? Americans' pocket? American politicians who voted for this? There's no accountability where this money goes. Um, where, where, where is the diplomacy? That's what I want to know. Because we're, we're marching relentlessly towards nuclear Armageddon. And this was what was said by a former senator. Um, retired Virginia senator and retired Marine Colonel Richard Black addressed members of U.S. Congress in an open letter on Tuesday about globalists are marching us relentlessly toward nuclear Armageddon. Black pointed out there would have been no war had we not overthrown the democratically elected government of Ukraine by violently ousting President Yankovich in 2014. We promoted war by flooding Ukraine with massive arms shipments afterwards. The former senator said the U.S. could have achieved peace by simply pressuring Ukraine to implement the 2014 minxed minxed peace agreements, which it had signed, establishing a clear framework for settling outstanding issues peacefully. Ukraine promised to implement the Minsk agreements, but chose instead to make war on the Donbass for the next seven years. 
He said NATO could have sought peace but chose war instead. Um, Black said billionaire elites who have an interest in the region are making war profits even if it means gambling the lives of hundreds of millions of people across the globe. Quote, should we annihilate the world's population to intervene in a border war where the U.S. has no vital national interest, the former Senate asked. Black called for an immediate end to this war by making Ukraine a neutral, non-aligned state, just as we did during the Cold War with Austria in 1955. But, you know, his plea is falling on deaf ears. They want war, people. They want world war. And the question is why? Now, people are really starting to get fed up with all the craziness in the world, and they're starting to uh, vote uh, in a way that uh, brings uh, populism back and and tries to take control of this world that's out of control. And uh, uh, last week, last Sunday, there was a big election in Italy, and uh, Georgia Maloney won. She's the, the right um, candidate, the right conservative candidate. Uh, of course, the media is calling her the fascist candidate. Uh, isn't the word fascist is being thrown around a lot? Uh, what's Antifa? Anti-fascist. Well, what's a fascist? Anybody who's not left <laughs> is a fascist. Uh, uh, I guess Bill Clinton would have been a fascist the way they're defining it these days. But I tell you, the left and the media hate this woman. And why did they hate her? Calling her all kinds of names and uh, saying she's a fascist. Well, uh, she did a speech during her campaigning that uh, I just got back from Italy, so I picked up a little Italian. So I'm going to uh, translate her speech. Like last week, I translated some Russian, I think. Uh, this is, well, let me see, let me get to the speech here. Uh, okay, here's her speech. Please answer me these questions. This is about what we are doing here today. Why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There's a single answer to all these questions, because it defines us, because it is our identity, because everything that defines us is now an enemy of those who would like us to no longer have an identity and be perfect consumer slaves. And so they attack national identity. They attack religious identity. They attack gender identity. They attack family identity. I can't define myself as an Italian, a Christian, a woman, or a mother. No. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number. Because when I'm only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots... They would be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators, the perfect consumer. That's the reason why. That's why we inspire so much fear. That's why this event inspires so much fear, because we do not want to be numbers. We will defend the value of the human being. Every single human being, because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. Like it or not, this is sacred. We will defend it. We will defend God, country, and family. Those things that disgust people so much, we will do it to defend our freedom because we will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators. That is our mission. That is why I came here today. The time has arrived and we are ready. 
So she she basically stated that we will defend God, country, and family, and we're not going to succumb to being citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. That reflects what the majority of people in her country, our country, feel. But we have this left-wing minority that's trying to shove this craziness down our throats. Um, so last week, uh, they voted in the first female populist candidate uh, to ever lead the country. Um, and it wasn't even close. She won big, and her party won big. But uh, yesterday, uh, Russia uh, suspended gas deliveries to Italy. They shut down the pipeline uh, going into Italy. Uh so again, energy warfare is what we're seeing here. Um, so we threw some more sanctions on uh, on Russia on Friday, uh, just again um, increasing the tense, uh, tensions between our two countries. And uh, let me tell you something: Putin does not seem the kind of guy that will take humiliation uh, and and defeat. He won't. First of all, he's done then. As a leader of, he'll be deposed. Uh, so he'll do anything that it takes. And we're trying to push a rabbit animal into a corner deliberately. Uh, and how long is it going to take before the first nuke goes off in Ukraine or elsewhere? And he said he will defend Russia with everything they got, including nuclear weapons. And this is not a bluff. But where are the cooler heads coming in and trying to negotiate some kind of settlement here? Nobody. There's no one. And I, I fear this thing is going to go out of control very, very quickly. All right, let's take a break. 732-237-9626 is our call number. My name's Lou Scatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Brick Township has plenty to offer this fall. The craft fair at Windward Beach has been rescheduled for Saturday, October 8th from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. There will be over 70 crafters and vendors. Fall Fest will take place on Saturday, October 15th from 1 to 7 p.m. There will be food trucks, carnival games, cornhole, axe throwing, and the night will be topped off with fireworks. Rain date will be Sunday, October 16th. Also, the Brick Recreation Golf Tournament will be at Eagle Ridge Golf Course on Monday, October 17th. For more info, go to bricktownship.net. That's BrickTownship.net. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could 
train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments, and host of The Financial Position. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company member FINRA and SIPC. Registered advisory services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, welcome back. If you're just joining us, you missed uh, an interesting show. Uh, first hour, we're talking about a financial crisis like the world has not seen. That's unraveling in front of us. Uh, what's going on with financial markets. Uh uh, we're talking about the Russian scenario and how we're we're moving towards nuclear Armageddon. Uh, I mean, things are happening uh, just in so many different ways. And uh, I'm looking at my desk here, and uh, there's so much to talk about. I, I can't even get to probably half of what I prepared for. There's so much happening each and every week. And uh, I guess it's easy to prepare because there's so much to talk about. Uh, you know, we got Joe Biden, whatever is going on with him. Uh, but w- we can rest assured that we have a vice president that's ready to step in at any time and be commander of, uh, commander in chief and, um, uh, leader of the free world. I mean, that's the job of a vice president, right? Uh, well, she was in, uh, Korea at the border between uh, North Korea and South Korea. Uh, she won't go to our border. She's the border czar, but she will go around the world and go to the border of North Korea. I mean, she's got these gigantic binoculars. She's looking in her. She goes, oh, it looks so close. And nonchalantly, uh, the military guy says, well, it's only 50 meters away. <laughs> so it's like 100 feet away. And she's got these binoculars. It looks so close. But uh, did you know, Paul, that we have a very strong alliance with North Korea? I do now. You do now. This is what she said. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. Well, that's a good thing. I'm sure Kim Jong-un is very happy about that. Uh, We won't attack them because we have an alliance with them. How do you think the South Koreans were listening to this? But they must have been cringing like, what? Now, look, she made a mistake. All right. We all make mistakes. But she makes mistakes every time she talks. This woman is so ill-informed, so much of a fish out of water. I mean, it's scary. I don't play this so we can have a laugh. I play this... This is this is our vice president. The president was even worse. Who doesn't know what day it is or where he is at? Whose wife has to walk him all around and tell him what to do? I mean, 
this is our leadership people. Well, at least the third in command, the third person for the, the White House, Nancy Pelosi, at least she's got it together, right? We're, we're good. All right, 732-237-9626. Let's go to Joe and Brick. Hi, Joe. Hello. How are you doing? I don't know. Um, <laughs> don't I'm, worry. I'm depressed. It's going to get a lot worse. Uh, I, I, I need a, it's early, but I think I'm going to go home and have a drink. You know, and you, and you don't even drink, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I do, but not this early. <laughs> not usually. No. No. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be death by a thousand cuts, what we spoke about sometime back. Uh, and it also looks like it's going to be asset deflation and commodity inflation, which is, of course, the worst case scenario. Exactly. Now, I wanted to ask you something. I've been watching the market for a long time, and I. We used to be a disciple of Elliott Wave, how people act and react in good and bad times. But it seems to me that the market was, you know, just going to be making higher high and higher lows, and then it started to make higher lows and and low, higher high, high. I mean, lower highs and, and lower low. lower lows. And it seems to me that that the people are not in charge of 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 the market. It seems to be taken over by. By computers, it's just. I want, and also, I'm watching a 10-year bond, and I wanted. This is the main question. The main question is on the 10-year Treasury. I, every time that it goes up, people rush into it worldwide as a safe haven, and it and it goes down. So the yield go. If the yield goes down, how is the Federal Reserve going to come and tweak that to a point where it's going to slow down the economy? Well, it's, the, look, it's a the safe haven as opposed to gold, you know, which is a traditional safe haven. Well, we have an issue where money's flowing into the dollar as uh, what they consider to be. The, the, the dollar is uh, the least dirty shirt in the hamper. Right? I mean, that's why people go into the dollar. It, it's not on Russia's borders there. It's you know, over the seas. Uh, we have a better economy than the European economy, which is a disaster. And this winter is going to be extremely difficult uh, for Europe. Now they have no natural gas or any hope of it being turned back on because somebody uh, blew up their pipelines. Um, but uh, uh, let's face it. I mean, look, a year ago, the 10-year Treasury was yielding under 1%. We're almost at 4 So I'm not saying, I don't see the yields coming down. As a matter of fact, uh, we had the highest weekly close on a 10-year interest rate that we've had in uh, 15 years. So uh, interest rates are going up in the bond market, even with that safe haven buying that's been going on. So, uh, uh, but look, the Fed cannot control inflation. Inflation right now is a main product of the money stimulation that that went the trillions of dollars that went into the economy, coupled with supply chain issues. Uh, you know, the Fed can't print eggs. You know, I told, told you earlier that there's, there's, there's a pandemic amongst chickens and they're all dying and we have a shortage of eggs. You can't, I don't care where they put interest rates. It's not going to affect the price of eggs or meat or anything else out there or energy. It's not going to make a difference. Uh, so you're right. You know, commodities are going to see more and more inflation, which flows through to everything. And everything we own, they're trying to kill. They're killing the value of your home. They're killing your 401k. They're killing your bond investments. Uh, uh and it's going to have no effect on inflation. It really is not. Uh, and all they're going to do, and they are very successful doing it. And again, what's the plan here? I don't know. They are cratering 
the economy, the housing market, the stock market, the bond market. We have a financial crisis. Let me tell you, this week is going to be very telling here. There's no reason for market to rally unless the Fed comes out and says, we're going to stop raising interest rates and we'll start lowering them. There's no reason for the markets to rally. Earnings reports are going to be dismal in the third quarter. We're probably going to have another negative GDP for the third quarter, which will be three in a row, uh, which uh, I don't know how many quarters it will take before the Biden administration admits we're in a recession. Uh, but I wish we, we would just be in a recession. We're going into something worse than a recession. Uh, whether they call it a depression or not, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'm telling you, uh, th- what's happening here in the markets, I've been in markets for almost 40 years. Next year, it'll be 40 years I've been a registered investment broker. Uh, I've watched all markets. I lived through 87 crash. I just set up my firm the month before. Uh, I've lived through the dot-com. I've lived through the bond market bust in 92. I've lived through 08. I've been through these markets. I've never seen a riskier scenario than we have today. Uh, even with the 25% decline that we've seen off the highs here, it's 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 just the beginning. It's 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 just the, the beginning of what's going to be a collapse. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I'm in a financial services business. I don't like financial collapses. I don't like markets crashing. Yeah, I remember when you're talking about the 10-year, and you said I'll believe it when I see it. In terms of you know breaking through that three percent threshold, right? You know, but but if you look at, I mean, I look at the stock market. And you know it's a it's a it's a swindle also because they always say they're you know for the past year to date year to date year to date well you know what if you extend that chart a little bit a lot of stocks are down seventy eighty percent ninety percent look at AT and T and Verizon you got close to a seven percent yield and and AT and T is like fifteen dollar stock. Yeah, and you go into the tech sector and you look at some of the smaller tech stocks. I mean, I've invested in some really good tech companies. Some of them are down 70%. It's it's just unreal. You know, I mean, it's just uh, we're living through a very, very significant dynamic in financial markets. Markets have been and still are extremely overpriced uh, based on historical norms. And especially when you have the economy contracting, the Fed raising interest rates into it, inflation uh, and earnings contraction. Uh, this is not a wet recipe for a bull market. It's a recipe for a very severe bear market. And that's where we are now. We're officially in a bear market, which is 20% down. Now, the question is, you know, how much more, much further down do we have to go? Well, we're still the price to earnings ratio, which is going to go up because earnings are going down. Uh, uh, is still double what it is historically in a bear market at the bottom. So that means we have a 50% downturn at least uh, before we get to a valuation that is historically fair in a bear market, uh, uh, which is a lot more pain for people. Uh, And uh, so far, the market's gone down in an orderly manner. Uh, We haven't seen panic uh, uh, but we're getting very close to it. Uh, and I think that we may even see panic in the bond market before we see it in the stock market, and they all go together. And that's what we saw in England uh, this week. There was absolute uh-huh. panic. There was no yeah. bid in the bond market. Yields were skyrocketing. On the, on the, uh, on the uh, uh, their currency was 103.5. Yeah, down yeah. To a historical low. Yeah. Japanese yen is at historical low. The euro is at historical low. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this tells you something. These moves in currencies uh, and interest rates, uh, they, 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 they set off the derivatives explosion. Uh, and that's what we don't see. You don't see what's going on at J.P. Morgan Chase. You don't see what's going on at Bank of America right now in their balance sheets. They don't report this stuff. You're not going to hear that, well, you know, you know, we're having a little bit of difficulty in our derivative portfolio. They're not going to tell you that. 
Because once you admit to that, uh, then the short sellers come out and you lose 25% of your stock value overnight and uh, the vultures come out and, and make it happen, like Bear Stearns. Once the rumor got out that Bear Stearns was in trouble, I mean, there was no way they were going to get out of it because their stock was decimated, and uh, which made things even worse. Uh, so, Jim Cramer told people to hold Bear Stearns. Yeah, he told them to buy it when it was $10. Yeah, yeah then, then J.P. Morgan bought it for 2 well, any, any, anything Jim Cramer tells you, do the opposite. Right? Uh, that, that's for sure. People follow him, and they, they, they keep track of all his mistakes. But, uh, but uh, no, we're in a very, very serious situ- situation right now. As I said earlier when I opened the program, if anybody missed it, go to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com and listen to it. It's very serious stuff. I'm hearing rumors that the bank system is in trouble uh, here in the United States. Uh, and you, when we find out about it, when it becomes news, it's too late. Uh, you won't be able uh, to do anything about it. Uh, and that's why I've been pounding the table for people, get your life savings out of the big banks and put them somewhere else. Uh, U.S. Treasury Money Market Fund, U.S. Treasuries, a credit union or a community bank that is not part of Wall Street. You're going to have to do that because if I'm right on the financial crisis that's right around the corner, uh, maybe this week, uh, uh, we're going to start hearing. I'm hearing the rumors already uh, about... Um, about the banking system and financial institutions in trouble. So uh, uh, hopefully this does not happen, but um, I would not be surprised uh, to as early as this week to hear something uh, that there's major problems in financial institutions. And, uh, Stock up on your black black and white truffles, Lou. Stock yeah. up on your truffles. Yeah. All right, Joe, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. All right, Joe, listen, Lou, don't worry about nothing. Yeah, I know. It's going to get a lot worse. You're right. Yeah, you, you were right all the time you've been telling me that in the past. It is getting a lot worse. All right. Uh, Ciao, Lou. All right. Take care. Um, we have more craziness and these crazy, woke, left-wing. Are these people insane? I mean, really. I mean, the things that people talk about now would be considered insanity 10 years ago. The gender stuff and everything else. For the umpteenth time, a witness called to testify by Democrats during hearings on abortion laws Claim that biological men are capable of getting pregnant and giving birth. All right. So they had uh, on this House Oversight Committee hearing on Thursday, Planned Parenthood's medical director for primary and trans care. Yeah, that's a thing, I guess. Trans care, whatever that means, uh, made the claim. So uh, GOP rep Andrew Clyde, you know, asked him if men can get pregnant. Talking about science, let's talk about biology. And let's just keep it real simple. Just two yes or no questions. And this is for um, uh, Dr. Kumar. Dr. Kumar, can biological men become pregnant and give birth? Um, so men can have pregnancies, especially trans men. Uh, so, so can biological men become pregnant and give birth? So are you saying that a biological female who identifies as a man and therefore becomes pregnant as, quote, a man? Is that what you're saying? These questions about who can become pregnant are really missing the point. I'm here to talk. No, 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 no. This is me asking a question and you answering. I'm asking the question, sir, not you. Right, and I'm answering the question. Somebody with a uterus may have the capability of becoming pregnant, whether they're a woman or a man. That doesn't mean... Okay, we're done. Not every person with a uterus. This isn't complicated. Let me tell you, if a person has a uterus and is born as a is born female, they are a woman. So these people are insane. I mean, this is how sick... Oh, by the way, the guy had earrings on in both of his ears. He looked like a freak. And this is who the Democrats are pulling up there. 
more political correctness. M&M's, you hear this one, Paul? Has added a new spokes candy to their cartoon character lineup. He's purple. And he's designed to represent acceptance and inclusivity. So uh, this is their gay trans. Uh, it's hard to tell what the M&M's character is because there's no genitalia. But uh, uh this is what Mars said, the company that makes it. Designed to represent acceptance and inclusivity, our newest member is known for her earnest self-expression, the brand said in a statement. Keen self-awareness, authenticity, and confidence are the driving forces behind Purple's charm and quirky nature. Again, insanity. This is insanity. Mars is thrilled to debut debut the newest member of the M&M's cast of characters to the world. There is so much about our new spokes candy that people can relate to and appreciate, including her willingness to embrace her true self. Our new character reminds us to celebrate what makes us unique. All right, so is this the trans candy now? Insanity. <laughs> There's so much stuff in my political caress pile here that's, that's stupid and insane. In 2024, Los Angeles will vote on forcing hotels to house the homeless. They're going to force independent businesses to take the homes. That they that the home is out of control in Los Angeles because of their policies. And now they're going to force hotels to take them in? Uh, how could that be legal? Uh, how about this one? Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom signs bill legalizing human composting. You ever hear of this? Human composting? Uh, only in California. Um, starting in 2027, human composting will be available as a new burial method in California. The bill was introduced by Democratic Assemblywoman Christina Garcia. Garcia uh, actually argued that cremation is bad for the environment because there's a lot of carbon emissions. Okay. Again, this green garbage craziness. You can't cremate anybody now. When we have a coffin and we put it into the ground, there's a lot of chemicals that get leaked into the ground, and oftentimes it ends up in our water. So you know you're drinking cadaver water. When we do cremation, there's a lot of carbon emissions. The California Catholic Conference objected and said human composting creates an unfortunate spiritual, emotional, and psychological distancing from the deceased. The process reduces the human body simply to disposable commodity. All right, so um, this, this bill allows for the method in which human remains naturally decompose over a 30 to 45-day period and it's turned into soil. That human composted soil could be returned to the deceased families or donated to a conservation land. One cremation takes about 30 gallons of fuel to complete and blows 530 pounds of COT into the atmosphere. He said human remains are placed in a vessel where the body is transformed into soil in 60 days. When it's done, we have soil that we give back to the family. The family can put it anywhere they want, just like cremation remains. Maybe you do a victory garden with Dad. Yeah. Love these tomatoes, boy. Dad, dad, dad's soil is really good. Uh, <laughs> this is another significant thing. Did you hear about these vaccinations using uh, mosquitoes? You didn't hear this story. Right? This is, he's looking at me like I'm crazy. Scientists conducting the study uh, held approximately 200 hungry gene-altering mosquitoes captive in a box. Human participants placed their arms 
over the box of mosquitoes, allowing the bloodthirsty insects to feast on their flesh. So what happened is these mosquitoes are giving like low levels of malaria uh, to people so they could create antibodies. Mosquitoes can easily replace traditional injection, contends Dr. Sean Murphy, researcher who conducted the study. We use mosquitoes like they're 1,000 small flying syringes. The mosquitoes transmitted live malaria-inducing plasmodium parasites to 26 participants in the study, who each received $4,100 to undergo the experiment. A minimal amount of the fatal disease was transmitted via the mosquitoes' attack on their arms, but not enough to make people sick. The hundreds of mosquito bites provided enough antibodies to last a few months. Researchers genetically modified the mosquitoes using genome technology known as clustered regular interspace short palindromic repeats. Okay. Uh, participants, participants receive three to five quote-unquote vaccinations over a 30-day period. Oh, okay. So now we're going to have, what's next? Uh, COVID vaccines uh, all of a sudden? So these people put their arm in this box, get bit, bit by a thousand mosquitoes. You got to see a picture of this person's arm when they were done. Uh, <laughs> it's It's ridiculous. My whole forearm swelled and blistered, Breed said. My family was laughing at me, asking, why are you subjecting yourself to this? Oh, my God. Okay. Vaccines. Uh, so uh, we had this terrible hurricane in Florida. It's just really devastating. I have a lot of clients down there and people I know that are, are dealing with it. It's a shame. Uh, DeSantis... Uh, who I think is a great governor. The more I see this guy, the more I like him. Uh, the left hates him, of course. Uh, I would love to see him run for president. Uh, I really would. Uh, I think this guy would be great. Um, now, will he run if Trump runs? I, I don't know. Uh, but they'll attack DeSantis just like they attack Trump because he's kind of cut from the same, you know, cloth, so to speak. So yesterday he came out and he's talking about the potential for looters to go into these houses and uh, and loot them. You know, just like happened here in Sandy. I mean, people were going in boats and, you know, going into these houses and stealing whatever they can get. And he wanted to remind people that Florida is a Second Amendment state. The other thing that we're concerned about, particularly in those areas that were really hard hit, is, you know, we want to make, make sure we're maintaining law and order. Uh, don't even think about looting. Don't even think about taking advantage of people in this vulnerable uh, situation. And so local law enforcement is involved in, 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 in monitoring that. You know, I told Kevin if the state needs to help as well, uh, because you, know, you can have people, you know, bringing boats into some of these islands and trying to ransack people's homes. Um, I can tell you in the state of Florida, uh, you never know what may be lurking behind somebody's home. And I would not want to chance that if I were you, given that we're a Second Amendment state. All right, so he said that, and of course, um, the left crazies came out and said, what he's saying is racist. <laughs> it's racist to defend your house against being looted, because the chance of being looted by somebody of color is probably higher than uh, a white person doing it, which says a lot in itself. How about this headlines? Dr. Fauci's net worth soared 66% during the pandemic. Oh, he's, uh, he's doing pretty well. He shut down uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of businesses, ruined everybody's lives with his thing. Uh, 
The net worth of Dr. Anthony Fauci's household soared a whopping 66% over the course of the pandemic, according to new financial disclosures obtained by OpenTheBooks.com. Fauci reported a January 1st, 2019 net worth of $7,523,000. By January 1st, 2022, it had grown to $12,677,000. The director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Fauci, was paid a salary in 2021 of 456000 making him the highest paid employee in the entire federal government. His wife, Christina Grady, is the chief bioethicist for the National Institutes of Health, does very well, too, ranking in 239000 salary last year. So Fauci makes more than the president. His wife makes more than the vice president. Uh, how does that happen? And he's uh, how does he make all this money? How do you make all this money? Well, uh, you know that's that's a good question. Um, Rand Paul wants to know. Another question for you: The NIH continues to refuse to voluntarily divulge the names of scientists who receive royalties and from which companies. Over the period of time from 2010 to 2016. 27,000 royalty payments were paid to 1,800 NIH employees. We know that not because you told us, but because we forced you to tell us through the Freedom of Information Act. Over $193 million was given to these 1,800 employees. Can you tell me that you have not received a royalty from any entity that you ever oversaw the distribution of money in research grants? Um, well, first of all, let's talk about royalty. That's the question. No, that's the question. Have oh, you ever no. overseen, have you ever received a royalty payment from a company that you later oversaw money going to that company? You know, I don't know as a fact, but I doubt it. I well, mean, yeah. here's the thing is, why don't you let us know? Why don't you reveal how much you've gotten and from what entities? The NIH refuses. Look, we ask them. We ask them. The NIH, we ask them whether or not, who got it, and how much. They refused right. to tell us. They sent it redacted. Here's what I want to know. It's not just about you. Everybody on the vaccine committee, have any of them ever received money from the people who make vaccines? Can you tell me uh, that? Can you tell me if anybody on the vaccine approval committees ever received uh, any money from the people who make vaccines? All right, so you see where we're going with that. All right. Everything's corrupt, guys. Everything is corrupt. Right, so there are proven vaccines that are killing people, and they're getting paid kickbacks on it. That's what's happening here. That's what's been going on for a long, long time. I tell you, we're in trouble, people. If you missed any of this program, you got to listen to the podcast. I mean, we're in dire financial straits. Markets are are, are, are set to crash. Uh, we're at the verge of World War Three, nuclear Armageddon. Terrible. I'm sorry to bring you such a depressing show, but it is what it is. And um, again, if you miss any of it, go to thefinancialphysician.com, listen to the podcast, love your emails, what's your opinion on this stuff, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. My office number, you want to come in for a financial review, now's the time, 732-905-8100. Have a wonderful week, and join me next Sunday, and every Sunday for the next edition of The Financial Physician.